Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua chapter 5, Old Testament, the book of Joshua chapter 5. We continue our study. Now, in these previous chapters in the book of Joshua, we've been looking at uh, uh, what is happening inside the camp of Israel. I mean, we went outside the camp when we uh, in chapter 2 when we followed the recon team, uh, the recon mission into uh uh, Jericho, and we've been looking at inside the camp, but then at the same time, we see uh, a little bit of what's happening outside the camp among other peoples, not with Jericho, now it's with the Amorites and the Canaanites. Let's look at verse 1, a little picture of what's happening outside the camp of Israel. In verse 1, Joshua chapter 5, verse 1, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan. So we're going deeper in country or, you know, deep in country on the other side of the Jordan. So we see uh, uh, the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea. Now, this is uh, even deeper in, in country, so to speak, uh, uh, west of the Jordan. And these peoples, the Amorites and the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted. Translates in the Hebrew as their heart and courage uh, melted to waste. Now, we have to remember that, you know, we're 40 years post uh, Exodus. Uh, The 11-day journey became 40 years. But don't forget, Egypt was considered to be almighty. Pharaoh was considered to be almighty, God on earth. You see, and that was 40 years ago. Now, where's Egypt? Now, consider what the surrounding peoples, what they must have thought of when Egypt was not just humbled, but destroyed. Consider what all the surrounding peoples must have thought. The Jebusites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Moabites. You know, because 40 years ago when Pharaoh was God on earth, you know, lowercase g, considered to be God on earth. 40 years ago when that was Pharaoh, nobody messed with him. You see all the surrounding peoples, you know, we have our gods, we have our kings, but don't mess with Egypt because they're almighty, lowercase a, you know, they're almighty. Uh, Don't mess with Pharaoh because he's God on earth, you know. Uh, You know, we have our gods, we have this, we have that, but, you know, don't mess with Egypt. You see, and then all of a sudden, Egypt is destroyed. God's people, Israel, they're in the wilderness, they're they're uh, 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 traveling through the wilderness. Now, you know, that's, you know, from the perspective of outside the camp, inside the camp, we know that the Lord is chastising them. The 11-day journey became 40 years. But outside the camp, people would, you know, they would have a serious choice to make. Like, you know, like, you know, if, if, if Egypt was all-powerful, nobody messed with him, nobody messed with Egypt, nobody messed with Pharaoh, and the God of Israel destroyed them? What does that say of the God of Israel? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. What does that say of him? That he is almighty, capital A. You see? He is almighty. There is none higher than the Lord. And so the people, the surrounding peoples, they would have a serious choice to make. A very serious choice to make. 
You know, do, do, do we stick with our bales and molex and asterisks? Or, you know, do we just say, you know, bye-bye? Do we say no more molex, no more bale? Because, you know, I, we, they're powerful and this and that. But God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, don't mess with him. And so people would have a very serious choice to make. Do we deny these gods of the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Jebusites, or do we stay here? Now, a lot of people stayed, but there are some who defected away from the former ways, who defected away from those gods and the systems and their, their, their governments of their peoples, their kings. There are people who defected away. I mean, just in chapter two, you see the king of Jericho who made his choice. And then you also see a prostitute in Jericho who made her choice. The king and beautiful, beautiful Rahab, she made her choice. Yes, a prostitute. She woke up that morning, a prostitute. You see? And she went to bed at night, you know, like, no, she, she made her choice. Like, you know, I got my life. I got, you know, the king of Jericho. I got my life. I got my way of living. I got this. But in the valley of decision, Lord, you are God. No more. You see, it's so beautiful because the same thing happens today. When people realize like, oh my goodness, there is not. They could have their Buddha. They could do their worship, their Mary, their Buddha, their Krishna, their crystals, their chakras. They can worship whatever they want. And yes, there is power behind those idols. There is power behind those gods, lowercase g. There is absolutely power, but they're not almighty. You see, and once people realize like, oh my goodness, there is there is none higher than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel and who also has a son born of a virgin who's at the right hand of God. And once people come to that realization, like, oh my goodness, I got my Buddha on one side and I got Jesus on the other side, the real Jesus whose word is above his name. I got Mary on one side, the Krishnas on one side, the chakras, the crystals, the whatever on one side. I meant even atheism. Sometimes atheists, you know, they get mad at me, like, you know, because atheists, they're really theists. And the atheists get mad at me, except they're theists of self. Oh, I don't believe in God. It is my will, my will, my will, my will. Okay, you sound like a theist of self. And so once people realize they got their Buddhas, they got their Marys, they got themselves on one side. And then Jesus on the other side. You know what that is? That's a fork in the road. They're in the valley of decision. A person has to make a choice. Well, am I going to lean on myself? Am I going to rely on myself? Am I going to lie on Mary, the Krishnas, the chakras, the Buddha, the whatever, the this, the that, and, you know, the Krishnas and the crystals? Am I going to rely on this? Or am I going to defect away from whatever these things are? Am I going to defect away from this and these and come to Jesus Christ? You see, this very same thing that we see in the Old Testament, 
is the very same thing that happens today in the Valley of Decision. Now, if you're listening for the first time and, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, you know, this Jesus, I I want to defect away from whatever I believe and I want to align myself to Jesus Christ. If that is you, hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You commit your life to Jesus Christ, you come back and you listen and we grow together. You see, people would have to make their choices Old Testament, New Testament, people have a choice to make. Old Testament, New Testament, today, people might have a choice to make. Let today be the day of salvation. And so, you know, we're in Joshua 5, but 40 years ago, that's what God did to Egypt. People would have, they they had a choice to make. Well, you know, I got my Canaanite gods, I got my Jebusite gods, I got my Hittite gods. And, you know, Egypt, they're, they're over and done with and... These people, the Israelites, they're in the wilderness. They're far away. And so, you know, um, I think I'm going to stay with my gods of Canaan and the Jebusites. and the Hittites. I think I'm going to stay with these gods. But there were some who said, no more. I'm not just denying the Baals, the Molochs, the Asterisks. I'm not just denying these gods. I'm not just denying these these kings and these rulers. I'm not just denying them. I'm straight up denying everything and i'm you know jumping ship i'm saying bye-bye to canaan i'm saying bye-bye to uh, the the moabites i'm saying goodbye to this and i'm gonna go through the wilderness and i'm gonna align myself in the camp of israel you see and then you have these sojourners who traverse the lands and they enter the camp of Israel. And don't forget, they're probably met by warriors, you know, as they near the camp of Israel. They're probably met by warriors, watchmen. And then there are provisions in the law. Say that's you and me. Say we're former Canaanites. We've freshly left Canaan. We got, you know, our former Baals and the Ashtoreths and the Moleks and all these different whatever. And we say, you know what? I know that there's our parents, grandparents, family, aunts, uncles. They all, you know, they do the Molex and the bales and all these things. And, you know, there's the biological family. They're biological family. Everybody says, oh, family first. You got to, you know, everything. Family is so important. Family this. But then we realize, like, the God of Israel, I want to worship him. I look at you, you look at me, you say, you know what? I want to worship him too. We say, okay, let's jump ship. Even biological family. Bye-bye. And so we leave the camp of Canaan. We get closer and closer and closer and closer to the camp of Israel. Probably met by the watchmen. The watchmen, you know, probably met by the warriors. You know, you have the watchmen who, you know, sound the alarm and then the warriors come out to meet us. And we don't come out. We're not traversing the, the wilderness with our, you know, with our, 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 our war gear. You know, we're not like, you know, looking for a fight. Just, you know, hands up. Hey, we're, we're not, we're not trying to pick a fight. We're not trying to pick a fight. Yes, we are Canaanites, former Canaanites. But we heard about your God. And we want to worship him. Now, don't forget, there are statutes in the law given by God to Moses, given to the people. There are statutes in the law 
for you and me in this example, former Canaanites, to be grafted into the camp of Israel. Gentiles who are now grafted into the camp. You see? It's beautiful. Beautiful. Old Testament, Gentiles grafted in, in the law. And that was 40 years ago. That's what God did to Egypt. And in that example, that's you and me who say, you know what? Bye-bye, Canaan. We're out of here. You know, we want to worship the Almighty. You know, we have these gods and they have their power, but they're not Almighty. And we want to worship the Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. We want to worship him. You see, that's an example of what happened 40 years prior to Joshua 5. But then 40 years later, perhaps you have some of the adult generation that died, the adult generation of the Canaanites. I mean, you have the first generation in the camp of Israel that died. Judgment by the Lord. First generation dead. Second generation lives, enters the promised land. An Old Testament example of you and me. We believe in Jesus Christ. First generation dies. That's death of the the flesh. Second generation, you know, first generation born into Adam. Second generation, uh, 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 born again into Christ. Second generation, passage into the promised land. And I speak of paradise. Same thing happens today. But in Old Testament days, Joshua 5, we're 40 years after Egypt. 40 years, you know, give or take a couple, you know, days, a couple weeks. But we're 40 years after Egypt. And maybe in the communities of Canaan, of the Jebusites, of the Hittites, of the Hivites, the Amorites. Maybe some, I mean, some are older, some have died, but some are older. What if you have a a 40-year-old guy when Egypt was destroyed? And now he's 80 years old. And just consider... What he sees happening among the Israelite people. Where he remembers when he was younger. He remembers what God did to Egypt. And that the sea was opened and Israel passed on dry land. He remembers. Egypt followed the warriors, the chariots of Egypt. They followed and the ocean, the seas, they they were no longer dry. The seas closed up and destroyed all the armies of Egypt. And this 40-year-old Canaanite witnessed that and realized like, oh my goodness, the God of Israel is almighty, except he never denied the gods of Canaan. And now he's still in Canaan 40 years later. He's 80 years old now. It's just a distant memory what happened in Egypt 40 years ago. Now he's 80 years old and he sees among Israel in the camp of Israel. He sees and discovers that waters were dried again. The river Jordan. Israel had safe passage on dry ground through the river Jordan. Think about what that would do. 
I mean, it's one thing when, when God destroys Egypt. It's one thing when Egypt is like on the other side of town, on the other side of the country, on the other side of, you know, it's, it's one thing when Egypt is way over there 40 years ago. But what about when it's at the doorstep? What about when God's hand of judgment, just like with Egypt, which was, you know, 40 years ago, was like way, 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 way over there. You know, relative safety, safety for Canaanites and the Amorites. You know, relative safety for the, 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 the Amorites back then. I mean, you know, look at on the west side of the Jordan. First, you have, you know, you have the Amorites and then you have the Canaanites. The Canaanites were closer to the sea. I mean, the Amorites, that's like, you know, first contact. But with Egypt, it was like, okay, that's way over there. I mean, I teach from America. And so what if you have, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, okay, you're like in Los Angeles. You're in Los Angeles and, you know, okay, you know, God's judgment came to Miami, Florida. It's like, okay, you know, I mean, it's, you know, devastating. Serious choices would have to be made. I mean, whether or not you're going to stay, uh, you know, Angelino or you're going to defect and align yourself to the God of Israel. You know, just giving this, you know, this distance example, geographically speaking. So Los Angeles and, you know, Miami is judged by the Lord. It's like, okay, you know, I mean, it's devastating. It's sad, but it's Miami. It's like, Way, way, way far away. You see? And you're Los Angeles. But what about when you see the waters opened near Miami? Israel had safe passage near Miami. And God destroyed Egypt in Miami. In this example, I mean, Egypt, Miami, it's like, what are you talking about? But you know, just, just track with me for a moment. It's all in Miami. You see? But then what about? What, what about? You're in Los Angeles. And then you hear of the exact same thing. Israel passing on dry ground. Except. Now it's like in Riverside. I mean, if you're not familiar with Southern California, I mean, you know, you have, you know, you have Los Angeles and then a little bit east, you have Riverside. What if it's in Riverside? It's no longer in Miami. You know, Miami is one thing. But now it's no longer Miami. Now it's just straight up Riverside. And you remember 40 years ago what, what God did to Egypt and Miami. And now it's like a repeat, except it's not in Miami. It's in Riverside. Think about what that would instill in the peoples outside the camp of Israel. You see, for some time, I mean, we've been in, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We've been looking at what's going on inside the camp by and large for the most part you know there were brief moments where we looked outside the camp with like Balaam and Balak and you know uh, there were brief moments where we looked outside the camp 
But we've been inside the camp for quite some time in our studies through Torah, the Old Testament. And even while the Lord was chastising and disciplining Israel, because remember, he disciplines those whom he loves, and there was judgment upon Israel. I mean, remember Korah? What happened to Korah? What happened with, with Phineas and the javelin? Remember? There was still judgment in the camp. But there was still something happening outside the camp among the peoples, the surrounding nations. They would have a serious choice to make. Just like the example we gave earlier where, you know, you and me were Canaanites. You know, we have our gods of Canaan. We got the Baals, the Asterisks, the Moleks. We got, we got it all. Except we know they're not almighty. And it's not just piety. We want to worship the almighty. You see? And then we jump ship from Canaan and align ourselves to him. Provisions in the law for Israel to accept us as Gentiles, non-Jews. You see? We're poor. We start out with nothing. Provisions in the law. You know, we become servants, you know, for a rich guy. We become servants for a rich guy. You say, oh, that's slavery. Look, the, the, the Bible advocates slavery. Don't forget what's also written in the law. The means by which a slave can become free, a servant can become free. Yes, there's servanthood, but it's not for there's servanthood unto a, a, a person. It's not forever. There are also statutes in the law by which a person can be free. No longer a servant, no longer a slave. I mean, you look at the anthropological studies of surrounding peoples of this era. You don't want to be a slave. You don't want to be a servant because it's like straight up deadly. It's not a pretty picture when you're a servant, when you're a slave in these surrounding peoples. But when you're a slave in the camp of Israel, when you're a servant in the camp of Israel, it's not too bad. Not too bad at all. Especially when you see servanthood as temporal. I mean, it's one thing if we enter the camp, you know, fully loaded. And when I say loaded, I don't mean armed. I mean fully loaded, like, you know, with assets. And we come to worship. But what if we, what if we don't have assets? What if we weren't heads of our tents in Canaan? What if we weren't heads of the household in Canaan? And we leave mom, dad, uncle, aunt, family, brothers, sisters. We leave everything, forsake everything. And we have nothing, just the clothes on our back, the robe on our back. That's it. A little bit of food to get us through the wilderness. We enter the camp of Israel with absolutely nothing. We've we've eaten all that we had, I mean, we've been, you know, we're starving for days because we have no more. We enter the camp and it's not like, you know, whips and they beat us and, you know, we get like, you know, a little piece of bread each day. No, we're, we're fed, we're well fed. 
Because we came to worship the Lord. We came to worship him. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see? Now the, the peoples, surrounding peoples, they would have a serious choice to make. Just like the, you know, Los Angeles, Miami, 40 years ago. But then now it's Los Angeles, Riverside. It's not, it's 40 years later. And the Lord is doing the exact same thing. Israel passes, passes on dry land. Think about the fear that instilled in the peoples. Think about the fear that instilled in the Amorites. Because, you know, that was first contact. Think about the fear. My man, first contact is Jericho, but, you know, you look at the surrounding peoples, you look at the overlay of the map, and you see, like, you know, the Amorites, but within that overlay of the Amorites, you see Jericho. First contact is Jericho. I mean, we're going to study that in the Lord's timing. But think about the fear that would instill. I mean, the Canaanites, that's like, you know, Santa Monica. I mean, the fear is on the Canaanites, but the, 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 uh, 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 the, the Amorites, that's like, you know, um, uh, we'll say Bell. <laughs> you see? And then you get into like the, the, the Jericho. That's like straight up Ontario. You see? And Israel is passing in Riverside. And so the Canaanites, they had fear. Their hearts melted. Their courage and hearts, they melted to waste. Absolutely, it hit the Canaanites. And if it hit the Canaanites, think about what it did to... If it hit the Canaanites in Santa Monica, so to speak, in this geographical example... Think about what it instilled in the uh, uh, Amorites in Bel. And if it did that for the Canaanites and Bel, think about what it's doing to Jericho in straight up Ontario. You see? Just giving this geographical example. I teach from America, so I have this understanding of, you know, geography of America. Relative, not, you know, full understanding. But, you know, I, I don't know, like, Nebraska. If you're in Nebraska, I love you. God bless you. But I, I don't know Nebraska like I know, you know, Southern California. But the example is still the same. Think about how terrifying when remember 40 years ago you get the 80 year old guy and 40 years ago when egypt was almighty lowercase a when pharaoh was almighty lowercase a and god on earth lowercase g when that was pharaoh and the lord destroyed them and you know back then you know 40 years ago in our heyday so to speak we were nothing compared to egypt we were like little pipsqueaks compared to egypt and if we were pipsqueaks compared to Egypt and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob destroyed Egypt, think about it's like we're no match. Like we there's we're no match. And that's fully understandable. It's 40 years later, but now you have this 80-year-old guy who told his kids and his grandkids, and now the kids are, you know, 40 years, 20 years old, you know, a fighting age. 
you know, closer to 20. I mean, 40 year old guys can fight, but it's a little different than when you're 20. And so they know. You see this, this door, you know, we're, we're 40 years after Egypt. We're 40 years after Egypt. And during this 40 years where the law that God gave to Israel states for, you know, there's a open door policy for Gentiles to be grafted in. But now for these peoples, this open door policy, it doesn't last forever. It's closing. Now they're coming to a moment of judgment. You see? They're coming to a moment of judgment. It's an Old Testament example of the very same thing that rings true today. This door of God's grace, mercy, and love. It's not going to be open forever. It is open today. But it's not open like it was 2,000 years ago. It's not open like it was 1,000 years ago. It's not open like it was 50 years ago. Because the Bible teaches that as we get closer to the events of the last days, actually in the last days, like, you know, straight up 70th week of Daniel, that there is a time which is called the fullness of the Gentiles. And that's when the door is officially closed. No more. The, the, the valley of decision, it's, it's, it's over. I mean, people say, oh, I'm undecided. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll get hardcore with Jesus. You know, just l- l- let me fool around a little bit longer. Well, wait a second. To be undecided is to be decided. Don't play games with the Lord. Even Christians. Well, you know, I love Jesus Christ, but I also love my crack, my sex, my alcohol, my drugs, my Buddha, my Mary, this and that. No, don't be lukewarm. The Bible says, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out inside the body and expel. Those are red letters. I will vomit you out. That's what Jesus says. I'm just the messenger. You see, choose this day whom you shall serve. God doesn't make robots. You and me, we have a choice. It's so powerful. It's beautiful. But it's so powerful. God doesn't make robots. He doesn't say, you know what? You will be my subjects and you will bow down and you will worship me. No, he he reveals who he is. And everybody has a choice to make. Everybody. He reveals himself. I mean, look at how he's been working all this time. Look at how he revealed himself to Moses. You see? You say, well, what about the generation after? Well, he reveals himself through his word. Passed on the next generation Parents telling the next generation about the Lord. You see? What about today? How does the Lord reveal himself? Through his word. How does his word go forth? By those who are sent. But this guy says he's sent and he says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. He's sent, but not by the Lord. He's sent by Satan. Because Satan knows you take the mark of the beast, you're going to burn in hell. 
And so he sends out his servants to present themselves as ministers of righteousness. Oh, he's such a great expositor of the Bible. Look, he's got the study Bible. I mean, if the study, look at all the versions. Edition, first edition, second edition, third, you know, rewrites. Oops, I made a mistake here. Let me rewrite it. Oops, I made a mistake here. Let me rewrite it. See, stupid. Oh, that's such a great expositor of the Bible. Oh, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Fools. He's a fool. Do not follow. You see? Oh, but he says this, he says that. That's nice. Where's the alignment to the word of God? The real word of God, Genesis to Revelation. Not as interpreted by Watchtower, not as interpreted by, you know, Book of Mormon. Not as interpreted, you know, in Latin by uh, the Vatican writings. Vatican one, Vatican two. No. The word of God. Hebrew. Aramaic. Greek. Original manuscripts. The Lord makes himself known. By his word, through his word. And, you know, it's so beautiful because that's how he works. And then at the same time, understand, it's like, well, how does he make himself known through his word? Well, he has senders. He has people that he sends out. Well, this guy says he's sent. He's sent, but by Satan. This lady says she's sent. The money preacher. She's sent, absolutely, by Satan. This guy says he's sent too. He says, you know, let's go lay on the graves and soak in the spirit of dead people. Yeah, he's sent by Satan, his father. This guy says he's sent too. He says that God is all done with Israel. Yeah, he's sent by Satan. His father, the devil. They're all sent by their father, the devil. And they all present themselves as ministers of righteousness. But just like we studied on Sunday, they say they're presenting spaghetti to you, but they're giving you crackers. The only way you'll know that, hey, this cracker ain't spaghetti, the only way you'll know is when you're a Berean with a noble heart. Anybody can say anything and you know Wait a second, that's not true. The Bible says, never take the mark of the beast. The Bible says, don't go lay on graves. The Bible says, God isn't done with Israel. The Bible doesn't teach replacement theology. You see, when you're a Berean with a noble heart, you will know these things. The word of God is spiritually discerned. You see? And this door of has been opened, this door of grace and mercy and God's love. It's been open, you know, 2,000 years. The church age, but the church age, it's not going to be forever. It is coming to its end. Wide open 2,000 years ago. Now, 
a little crack. It's still open, but it's a little tiny. It's just cracked open. And just like what's happening here in, in Joshua 5, look at all the people, 40 years, 40 years. All, all this opportunity for people to deny the ways of Canaan, of Moab, of the Hittites, of the Hivites, of the Jebusites, all this opportunity to deny. I mean, praise the Lord. In the case of Rahab in Jericho, it was like, you know, that, that was like, you know, last minute. Because judgment is coming. Judgment is coming to the Amorites, to the Canaanites, to, you know, to Jericho. Judgment is coming. You see, and the Lord with Egypt was it was God's judgment on Egypt and he did it himself. And in the case of the Canaanites, the Amorites and, you know, with Jericho, he's doing it himself still, except he's doing it through Israel. You see, and this is a different Israel. It's not the first generation Israel who were afraid of Canaan. When they, you know, the the command was given, you know, go into Canaan and fight. And Israel was like, no, they're big. They're huge. My thigh is the size of the guy's pinky. Those guys are big dudes. I'm not going to go fight them. You see, and they feared Canaan more. They feared the Canaanites more than they feared the Lord. And so God judged them, chastised them. 11-day journey became 40 years. Now this generation, God's judgment is coming, except in Egypt, he did it himself. And here in Joshua 5, he's doing it himself, except it's through Israel, a different Israel. A different Israel. This is second generation. Now, it's a different Israel, but there's still a little bit more. A little bit more to this transformation of Israel. A little bit more to this change of Israel. Let's continue in our study. It's still in verse 1. <laughs> still in verse 1. It says, you know, in the middle of verse 1, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. You see, God is on the move again. Don't forget, you know, Remember our study in Deuteronomy 9 as well. It's because of the wickedness of the people. You know, not to get lofty and, you know, uh, uh, not to be exalted of self, exalted. Of, oh, look, we're awesome. We're awesome. The Bible says Deuteronomy 9. No, it's because of the wickedness of the people. In the previous example that we gave, you know, for you and me, former Canaanites, praise be to the Lord, because during that 40 years, we jumped ship. We knew that shipwreck was coming for Canaan. We knew that shipwreck was coming. I mean, we, we you know, let's scratch that for a moment, because we know nothing about the God of Israel. We know nothing about the God of Israel. All we know is that he is almighty. And so we jump ship of Canaan, enter the camp of Israel, worship him, fear him, love him, trust him. You see, and it's safe. 
And then as we're, as we learn and we study the, uh, the teachings as, as given by the priest, Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. Remember our study through Leviticus? Then we learn like, you know, oh my goodness, you know, judgment is coming for these surrounding peoples. You see? Wicked peoples. Wickedness. The rise of wickedness. The rise of wickedness. It's not so that we get lofty and look how awesome we are and look, we're going to kill you. We're going to destroy you. No, it's the other way around. It's the wickedness of the people. Don't forget, God is long-suffering. Old Testament, New Testament, God is long-suffering. But even still, this door of grace and mercy and love, it's not open forever. We have an Old Testament example of this very truth. It's not open forever. Wide open, you know, 2,000 years ago, wide open. Jesus Christ, wide open. Today, not wide open anymore. We're nearing the end of the church age. We're nearing, when we say the end of the church age, that is straight up judgment. Just like we see here in the Old Testament. The time to jump ship for the Amorites, the Canaanites, and Jericho. The time to jump ship. Not a lot of time left. I mean, it's like it's like we're on the very precipice of, you know, like, it's over. I mean, praise be to the Lord for, for Rahab. Because she jumped ship, but you know, when we say jump ship, like she jumped ship, except like there's safety in her home. She's still in Jericho, but there's safety for her home. Very powerful. When we consider the assembly of Israel, there's safety there. But then there's also safety in the home. But very specific formula. For safety in the home. Very specific formula. Because judgment is coming. You see? And so now in verse 1, we look at a picture of what is happening outside the camp of Israel. Now let's see what is happening inside the camp. In verse 2, this is inside the camp of Israel now. In verse 2, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself, which is uh, like sharp stone knives is how it translates, and circumcise the sons of Israel again. The second time, very interesting what we see here. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. It's a lot of circumcision happening. The hill of the foreskins. In the Hebrew, translates as Geba Orla or Gebeath Ha Raloth in the Hebrew, which translates as, yes, the hill of foreskins, or also the hill of uncircumcision. But there's also inclusion to the reference of the foreskin of a tree. Wait a second, the foreskin of a tree? How is this possible? Remember our study, if you've been walking with us for a while. In Leviticus 19, the uncircumcised tree referencing fruit, uncircumcision of fruit, uncircumcision of tree from Leviticus 19 verse 23. Leviticus 19 verse 23. 
uncircumcision. A fruit of tree. Very interesting what we see here. We continue here in verse 4. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. This is the first generation. Reference to the first generation. They're dead. They died. They died because it's chastisement of the Lord. They died in the wilderness. Because remember, they were afraid of Canaan. Instead of fearing the Lord, they feared the Canaanites. Second generation, they don't fear the Canaanites. They fear the Lord. Remember, this is a different Israel. Under the leadership of Joshua. Under the leadership of Joshua and the elders. Different Israel. We see in verse 5, For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way had come as, as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Now, most commonly, teachers will Say, well, you know, you have a group of people that are uncircumcised. Okay, let's get them circumcised. Other schools of thought was, well, you know, maybe there's some disobedience in the camp and we got to make sure that everything's good to go with them, that everything's kosher with them. We got to get them circumcised. But we have to remember certain, remember we have the base plate of Torah. We have to remember certain things. The law of circumcision was already given, Leviticus 12. The law of circumcision was already given. We see a little picture of the insufficiency of the first circumcision. Yes, the insufficiency of the first circumcision. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we see here in verse 1 something that we reference quite a bit and we're going to keep on referencing it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. This is Paul. Paul, who before he became a Christian, before he believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel. Just so you know, Gamaliel was a teacher of the uh, Levitical priesthood of the Kohanim. Very well respected teacher of the law. Teacher of teachers, teachers of Kohanim, teachers of priests. And of this Paul, who is a former Pharisee of Pharisees of the stock of Benjamin, that was before he came to Christ. Now he believes in Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ has placed him into service as a messenger, a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of the good news, a preacher of the gospel. That's who, who wrote 1 Corinthians, just so we know. 
a former Pharisee of Pharisees. This is like, you know, somebody who's, you know, I got my, I got my, my, my law degree from, you know, you see the TV commercials, you know, take this little, you know, take, we'll give you, we'll send you a degree, send us, you know, a hundred bucks and we'll give you your degree in, you know, law school. We'll give you, you know, we're all, we're not accredited, but that's beside the point. You know, we'll give you your law degree and, you know, here you're, now you're a lawyer. Diploma mills. But then you say like, whoa, this guy went to Harvard Law. This lady went to Harvard Law. Okay, she's hardcore. Little different stock here. Now, you're not, not advocating higher academia, but just giving an example of, you know, like, you know, diploma mill versus, you know, Harvard Law. Harvard School of Business. You know, I'm not advocating higher academia. Me personally, I'm not a fan of higher academia because, you know, you look at the fruit of it, look what's produced, not a fan. I mean, you just, proof is in the pudding. But just give me an example. I mean, maybe like, you know, 19, 1960 Harvard Law. Okay, we'll go there. 19, 1955 Harvard Law. Different caliber. Different caliber. Not the diploma mill. Not the diploma mill lawyer. This is like, you know, Harvard Law lawyer. 1955. Not modern day. 1955. Not advocating higher academia. I'm just saying. That's who we're talking about. This is different caliber. This isn't just, you know, former Pharisee. This is a former Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel, of the stock of Benjamin. Different caliber. He knows his stuff. I mean, he would go into synagogue and not just reason with the Jews and the religious leaders. He wouldn't just go into synagogue. No, he would. I mean, he would do that, but he would prove from the scrolls, prove from the prophets, from Torah, that Jesus is the Messiah. He would prove. Not just reason and, you know, well, I think this and because I think this, you should think this. No, he would go through the jots and through the tittles and everything and say, listen, you know, Jeremiah says this, Isaiah says this, Moses says this, Deuteronomy says this. Boom, there you go. Ball's in your court. He would prove. And not just prove that Jesus is the Messiah. People would realize like, oh my goodness, we want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Paul, what do we do? You see, he was making disciples. Not converts. We have to make this distinction. It's not just, you know, I'll make converts. Oh, let's just make converts. Let's just make converts. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, go and make disciples. We have in these last days, you know, we have these, you know, these famous crusades. You know what they do at the crusades? They don't make disciples. They make converts. But before a crusade comes to town, you have these major ministries. I'm doing my air quotes. You have these major ministries. And they go into a town and they canvas the town. And just like just business model. And they go into different churches and they say, yeah, we're going to have a crusade. And do you want to support us in this? And all these churches, they, they get on board because, you know, I mean, the church membership has been down. And so they say, well, yeah, we're on board. We want this crusade. And so it's now, you know, the time of the event, they have the crusade. And they give like an altar call. Okay, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you know, come up, do the altar call and pray and, you know. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, people receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Praise be to the Lord. 
but then with their partner churches that they've already, it's pre-canvassed. They have these partner churches. They say, okay, you know, we're from, you know, Southern California. We're going to go back to Southern California now. But we have these partner churches. Now you go to this church. You go to that church. You go to, you're, you're a brand new Christian. And this ministry, they go back to Southern California. Well, we got, you know, 10,000 converts. Oh, we got 20,000 converts. We got 20,000 new believers, 10,000 new believers. And he's like, wow, you know, cool. Look, this surely this is a work of the Lord. Surely this is a work of the Lord. But what they don't say is where do they send these new believers? Where do they send these new believers? Because prior to the event, they pre-canvassed, they partnered with these, you know, partner churches. And these partner churches are Catholics, Lutheran, Episcopal, Calvinist, Presbyterian, Reformed. Do you see how dangerous that is? The Bible doesn't say go and make converts. You have a person who receives, who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They are a fresh baby in Christ, the milk drinker. And then you're going to send them to the wolf? You see? You're going to send them to a place that doesn't teach sound doctrine? Remember, we just studied that First Timothy chapter 1. The law is for, remember, the, the little list of, you know, the law is not for the righteous, but the law is for boom, 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 boom. And... Any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. And you're going to take a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful baby Christian on milk and say, go here where the doctrine isn't safe. And not just where the doctrine isn't safe. Because the Bible says that's what the law is for. And to be in the law is to be outside of Christ. Oh, we got 10,000 new believers, 10,000 new believers. Everybody, wow, praise the Lord. This is the work of the Lord. Look, they got 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. We got all these new believers, new believers. Okay. Where did you send them, pastor? Where did you send them, overseer? Where did you send them? Well, we just sent them over. We got our partner churches over here. They prayed for us. We worked together. We partnered with these churches. Okay. What is their doctrine? Oh, we got a couple Catholics over here. Catholic churches, Catholic organizations. Oh, you mean the, the Catholic charities that also hand out, you know, government-sponsored crack pipes? Those Catholic charities? Those Catholic churches? Oh, that's beside the point. Maybe to you, to the Lord. What other churches? Oh, some Episcopals, the Lutherans. Oh, you mean this Lutheran church where they have the female pastor? Oh, that's beside the point. Come on, you know, you're, why are you so judgmental? 
Don't judge lest you be judged. No, take the plank out of your eye so you can see clearly. Pastor. You see? Oh, but we got 10,000 people, new confessions of faith, new believers in Christ. Okay. What pastor would take a bunch of babies, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful babies in Christ and lay them out for the wolves to eat, to kill and destroy? What shepherd would do such a thing? What master does he serve? I'll tell you. Lucifer. Satan. Beelzebub. Who was a murderer from the beginning. Oh, how dare you say that? Look, this is a godly work. We got 10,000 new believers. That's even worse. Because you're taking babies and feeding them to the wolves. The Bible doesn't say make converts. The Bible says make disciples. You see? Make disciples. You go to the, the money preachers, you can't be a disciple. You go where the, you know, lesbian pastors. You can't be a disciple. You can't be a disciple in there. Transgender pastors. You can't be a disciple in there. Where you have the pastors. Oh, don't call us pastor. Call us father. The Catholic church. And they have their, you know, in the Catholic church, they pass out the government sponsored crack pipes. Can't be a disciple there because look, you have a new believer in Jesus Christ. You know, okay, and now you guys are new believers. We have these partner churches and we're going to send you over here, go to this Catholic church. What's going to be learned in the Catholic church? Okay, pray to Mary. Pray to the angels. Pray to the saints. The Bible doesn't teach that. You see, the Bible doesn't say go and make converts. Go and make disciples. You cannot be a disciple in the Catholic church. You cannot be a disciple in the modern-day Lutheran church, modern-day Episcopal, modern-day Methodist. Oh, but God is love. God is love. Absolutely, 100%. God is love. The Bible says God is love, and He is love. But there's a formula. There are rules. It's not in the under the, 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 the formula of lawlessness. There's a very specific formula. Oh, yeah, we agree, we agree. Look, we, we're Presbyterian, we're Reformed, and we have our study Bible. That's nice. Go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. We must have a profound, 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 profound love of truth, even when it hurts. Because deception isn't coming. Deception is straight up here. See, so Paul, just, 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 let's get this clear. 
That's that's who this is. He's he's not, you know, making converts. He's making disciples. Going into synagogue. And yes, there's reason. There's reasoning that happens. But he proves that Jesus is the Messiah using the scrolls. Using Torah. The prophets. Proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Not just like, you know, well, you know, this is what I think, and so uh, you should too. And, you know, come on, I'm going to make you a convert, and then you can go back to synagogue and, you know, worship this. Or, and I'm going to make you a convert, and then you can go back to the Buddha, to, to Mary, to the Krishnas. No, 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 no. This is different. He's not like the average bear. In his BC days, a Pharisee of Pharisees. We say BC days as before Christ. A Pharisee of Pharisees. Student of Gamaliel, of the stock of Benjamin. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he's the one. Now he's a Christian. Now he's a believer in Jesus Christ. Now the Lord has called him into ministry. A fisher of men. And we see he is the one who's writing here in chapter 10, verse 1, 1 Corinthians. We see, moreover, brethren, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were, were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate of the... All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. But in verse 5, with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Do you remember? Do you remember Balaam and Balak? How you know, Balak was, you know, he he knew that Israel was coming. He knew that Israel was like right there. And he wanted to find out, how do I defeat Israel? What's their weak link? How do I defeat Israel? So, you know, he calls, calls Balaam. Balaam offered him a sum of money. And in the course of time, through the counsel of Balaam, Balak learned, you got mighty Israel. I don't have to send them, I don't have to send to them my mighty warriors to kill them, to defeat them. I don't have to do that. And through the counsel of Balaam, who he paid a sum of money to, he learned through the counsel of Balaam, I have to get them to deny their God. So what does he do? He doesn't send the men down. He sends the women. He sends the women down. The women come down. They enter the camp. Do their dirty business. The sex. Remember we studied this. Book of Numbers, we studied this. Very difficult studies. Because you see the defiling in the camp of Israel. They do their sex. They do their business. They go into tents, do their business. Next day, the ladies say, hey, you know what? Let's worship Baal. And the men who are now compromised, the warriors of Israel who are now compromised, 
Okay, let's worship Baal. Okay, let's worship Baal. Oh, yes. I spent the night with you, spent a couple nights with you. Yes, let's worship the Baals. And Balak got Israel to deny the Lord. You see? The camp of Israel defiled. Something that Balak learned through the council of Balaam. Balaam was judged. Balak was judged. But there was still chastisement. You know, Israel was also judged. Because of the wickedness. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. He doesn't make robots. You know, he makes himself known. Okay, balls in your court. He makes himself known. Okay, he, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He doesn't, he doesn't say, Yo, you will be my subjects. You will worship me. No, he makes himself known. Okay, balls in your court. This is who I am, you know. I'm a God of love. I love you. And I'm long-suffering. And you know, I have my rules and this, the blueprints. And okay, balls in your court. He's a gentleman. He makes himself known. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. Old Testament, New Testament. Jethro, he made his choice wisely. Rahab, she made her choice wisely. Paul, he made his choice. Peter, he made his choice. You see, the Lord made himself known. To the world, the nations. And don't forget, within the world, we have nations. Within nations, we have people. Within the people, we have groups. Within groups, we have individuals. With individuals, we have hearts. Hearts. Minds, each individually has a choice to make. You see, the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. Still, balls in your court. As the Lord makes himself known in these last days. And don't forget, when Israel was defiled by their worship of Baal, which was a result of their defiling through the women that Balak sent down, through the council of Balaam. Remember, we studied these. I mean, if, you, if you're listening for the first time, listen to our study through Numbers, you'll understand more. The law of circumcision was already given. These warrior men of Israel, they were circumcised. They were circumcised. The law of circumcision was, I mean, the law of circumcision was absolutely already given to Abraham. But the law of circumcision and capture in, in, the, uh, in, in the commandments, already given. The men that were defiled, they were circumcised of the flesh. We see an insufficiency of the first circumcision because it's of the flesh. 
We see in verse 5 here, still in 1 Corinthians 10, that with most of them, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. Notice, this is Paul, former Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows his stuff. He knows Torah. He knows the Old Testament. And he's saying this to the church. The church, which is comprised of both Jew and Gentile, yes, but understand too that in Christ, there is no more Jew nor Gentile in Christ, only in Christ. And Paul says, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after the evil things that they also lusted. Picture the ladies coming down into the the camp of Israel. Picture the ladies coming down. What must have been going on in the minds of the warrior men, the circumcised warrior men of Israel? What must have been going through their minds when they see the women coming down? I don't know how they were dressed. But what must have been going through their minds? In the majority, if not the vast majority, not all, not everybody. Not everybody, not all the men, but a large chunk of the men. A large portion of the men. But not all the men. You see, but they're all warriors. Uh, But there's something different about these guys because the women come down and they're not taking the bait. They see the women and they're like disgusted by the women. Not because it's like, not because they're, you know, they, 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 they don't like women because, you know, they like the men. Not to suggest that. But there's a special formula. A certain kind of woman. You see? Not the floozies that are coming down. A certain kind of woman. Where the formula is right. And the desire isn't carnal. The admiration isn't carnal. A different kind of guy, different kind of warrior, different kind of circumcised male. But then you have other circumcised male where, you know, they see the women and they're like, wow. And so the women come down and, you know, we, we want to do this. And the guys are like, okay, let's do this. Next day, hey, the lady says, well, we want to do this. They do the business. And then next day, a couple of days later, hey, we want to worship the Baal now. We want to worship Baal now. And the man, okay, let's do that. They were warriors, they were men, and they were circumcised. The law had been given of circumcision. And yet it's revealed that they weren't really warriors because they fell. You see? They lusted. They see the women coming down. They lusted. Not all of them, but the large majority, they lusted. Now look in verse 7. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. And so they lusted. They do the business with the lady. The lady says, okay, let's worship Baal. Now look. Idolatry. You see, sin begets sin begets sin begets sin. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper and darker and darker and darker. Remember the sidesteps? You're in the middle of the narrow path. Side step left, 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 fall. 
You see? No longer on the narrow path. Satan knows what he's doing. Satan knows what he's doing. Remember when we were studying Balaam and Balak and we see Balak as a type of Satan? Remember? So you have the men, circumcised men, warriors of Israel. And they lusted. The women come down. The ladies say, hey, I want to do this. The guys say, okay, let's do it. They go to the tent, do the business. And now the next day, the lady says, hey, let's worship Baal. The guys say, okay, now look. It was lust first. Now it's straight up idolatry. Worshipping Baal. Circumcised men worshipping Baal. Oh, but they're circumcised. But they're circumcised. Yes. Of the flesh. And there is insufficiency to the first circumcision of the flesh. We see here in verse 7, And do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples. Just like in verse 6, these things became our examples. In verse 11, these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition or warning. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Remember? Sidestep, 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 fall. Lest he fall. You see? Now turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. You know, we just looked at what Paul says, former Pharisee of Pharisees, we took a a, a little brief uh, look at his caliber. Not to make converts, but to make disciples. Now let's look at the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse... Jeremiah 9, verse 25. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord that I will punish all who are circumcised, 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 circumcised with the uncircumcised. Whoa. God's saying he's going to punish the circumcised with the circumcised? Well, then what's the point of circumcision? If that's the case. You see, there is insufficiency of circumcision of the flesh. God says here, you know, the days are coming, says the Lord. God says through the prophet Jeremiah. Notice, remember, Jeremiah was referred to as the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet. There's all these prophets in the camp of Israel, circumcised men in accordance to the law of Moses. And the Lord says to Jeremiah, those aren't my guys. They say they are prophets, but they don't speak for me. 
they say this, they can they can say whatever they want to their blue in the face, but you know, that's nice. I'm not telling them to say that. You see, the formula's wrong. You know, at face value, they look like prophets, they speak like prophets, they got the degrees, they got this, they got that, they got the credentials, so to speak. Circumcised men. But what does the Lord say? These aren't my guys. Jeremiah, you're my guy. Jeremiah, the formula is right in you. You're my guy. Remember Amos? I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet. What does the Lord say? Surprise, Amos. You're a prophet. You're my guy. Because the Lord looks at the heart. The mind. He knows what's going on in your mind. You got a dirty mind? The Lord knows you got a dirty mind. Give it to him. Let him clean house. You see? Amos, formula right. Jeremiah, formula right. Hannah, Ruth, Esther, beautiful formula. Formula right. And the prophet in which the formula is right, not the other prophets, a multitude of prophets, just like with Paul, you have 10,000 teachers, but one father. So you take that formula just right there. 10,001. I mean, go to a bookstore, Christian bookstore, and stack up 10,000 books. 10,000 books written by New York Times bestseller, now, different writers, different authors. 10,000 books written by each their own author. 10,000 books on prayer, on, you know, on how to be a warrior, how to do this, you know, how to have a good marriage, how to do this, how to do this, how to do this. 10,000 books written by 10,000 writers. And you got a stack of books, a big pile of books, practically its own bookstore. And you take one. Written by a guy who's, the formula is different in this guy. I mean, the formula is right in this guy, but he's different from these other guys. He's not like the average bear. That's what Paul is saying. You got 10,000 teachers, but one father. Just like with Jeremiah. You got all these prophets. And the Lord says, those are they call themselves prophets, but that's nice. They're, they're not. I don't speak to them. Now, that's from the prophet perspective. Put yourself in the in the pews, so to speak, in the people. Look at all these prophets, all these a vast number of prophets who say, "Thus saith the Lord." Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. We have all these prophets. They call themselves prophets. They dress like prophets. They behave like prophets. Well, you know what we see, what they behave, they're doing dirty business. The Lord sees something different. The Lord sees what's real. But what they present, the hypocrites, the hypocrites. What the public sees, oh, wow, look, this is a godly man. Oh, look, he's so godly. And oh, look, he's such a great teacher. He's such a great expositor. What you don't see, wow, he's he's gambling. He's a gambler. He's going to the casino on the other side of town so nobody sees him. You see? He goes to the other side of town. He goes, you know, to the, to the, uh, the other state, the, the, the neighboring state, so he can do the sex and the drugs and the Buddha and the Krishna and all these things. And yet he presents himself. Oh, look, he's a pastor. 
Oh, look what a godly man. Pastors who go on mission trips. A group of, you know, so-called godly men. They go down, you know, Central America. They disappear for a couple weeks. Anybody heard of these guys? Anybody heard of these? Where are these guys? You know, they went down to the mission trip and, okay, well, where are they? We haven't heard. No social media, no no contact, no text, no emails, no nothing, no phone calls, no nothing. Is Are, are they okay? Like, you know, and they come to find out, you know, two weeks later, okay, we found them. They're okay. They're, they're, they're safe. And they're, they're, they're worshiping. They're, 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 they're leading in this ministry and God is doing this mighty work. Yes, they're in the mission field. Continue to pray for them. All these things. They come back home and they report. Oh, yes. Yeah, the mission field. It was so great. A couple months pass by and there's a young lady at the door. Comes to the church office. Oh, I'm. I'm pregnant. This this guy is the, the father of my child that is growing in my womb. You see? That two weeks where the so-called godly men disappeared, they were doing dirty business. The sex, the drugs. They went off grid so they can do their dirty business. Sick, disgusting wolves. You see? Oh, but they're godly. They're godly. That's nice. You look at the formula. Very specific formula. Look at all the prophets in Jeremiah's day. Oh, surely this prophet, he says, thus saith the Lord. We're going to do what he says. This guy says, thus saith the Lord. We're going to listen to him. Surely, look, if God is for us, who can, uh, who can be against us? We're of the elect. We're of the elect. And what do they say of Jeremiah? Oh, don't listen to him. He's so stupid. Look, nobody's with them. Who's going to listen to Jeremiah? Don't listen to him. He's so dumb. He's so doom and gloom. He just says, you know, to repent, to return to the Lord. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How could we return to the Lord when, look, we're already with the Lord? Why should we return to the Lord when the Lord is with us? Look, we're of the elect. Come on, Jeremiah. Hey, everybody, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's stupid. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. And don't listen to him. He's so mean. He doesn't talk about love. He doesn't talk about, you know, you know, you know, we know that God is love. We know that God is love. And if you want to yay, eat, drink and be merry. But Jeremiah, he's just talking doom and gloom all the time. Don't listen to him. Why do we have to repent? You know, why do we have to repent and return to the Lord? We're already with the Lord. God is for us. Everybody, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's so stupid. He called Jeremiah the weeping prophet, the lonely prophet for a reason. You know why? Because he was lonely. He was weeping, not for himself, for his people. Repent, 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 repent. They made fun of him. They made fun of him. And you know what happened? The people soon realized we should have listened to Jeremiah. We should have listened to Jeremiah because now Judah is destroyed and now Nebuchadnezzar, we're we're slaves of Nebuchadnezzar. And when we say not Judah, the entirety of Judah, Judah was destroyed. A lot of death and destruction 
You know who was saved? The young kids. The young kids. Old people kind of left, you know, okay, we're, we're, you're, you're old, you know, no, no use for you. We're going to leave you here. Middle age, you know, fighting age. Okay, we're going to kill you. We're going to take your women. We're going to take your girls, all these things. We're going to kill you, all, all you mighty men. We're going to kill you, you young men. We're going to put you into, a, we're going to make you slaves. We're going to make you servants. That's where you get like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did. I mean, picture the people, the, the remnant, judged, chastised by the Lord. Now, Babylonian slaves, now they realize we should have listened to Jeremiah. The prophets, the other prophets, they said, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Now we know. And we say now we know. These are like the young kids because everybody else destroyed, killed. That young generation. Wow, we should have listened to Jeremiah. And yet he was still the lonely weeping prophet. Oh, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's crazy. Don't listen to him. He's just doom and gloom. Doom and gloom for a reason. Doom and gloom for a reason. Because the Lord became forgotten in Judah. Now we see Jeremiah 9 verse 25. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised. Egypt, Judah, Edom, and the people of Ammon, Moab, and all who are in the farthest corners who dwell in the wilderness, for all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. In the heart. Notice the Lord says, of all the house of Israel are uncircumcised. When of the flesh, they're circumcised. The law was given. Of the flesh, they're circumcised. But the Lord says through his prophet, Jeremiah, that all the house of Israel are uncircumcised because he speaks of the heart. You see? insufficiency of the first circumcision because it's of the flesh you say well that's just a that's just the prophet jeremiah we follow moses i mean for my jewish friends for my rabbi friends i love you in me you have a friend i don't teach replacement theology because it's unbiblical it's satanic now, I know there are Christians who teach replacement theology, but they serve their father, the devil. They serve Lucifer. You know, you have like the Gospel Coalition, certain organizations, certain pastors, certain teachers. No, they're servants of Satan. Replacement theology is unbiblical. I don't teach that. If you're Jewish, Rabbi, I love you. In me, you have a friend. I understand because the Word of God teaches that the, the, the branch does not support the root because 
Romans 11 teaches precisely that. It's the root that supports the branch. You see, it's the other way around. Replacement theology, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Teachers, propagators of such things, they serve their father, the devil, Lucifer. But if you're like hardcore Jewish, hardcore rabbi, and you say, well, you know, that's just Jeremiah. We're hardcore. We follow Moses. Okay. Okay. You're Jewish. I love you. Let's look and see what Moses says. Turn to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Torah. Torah. Numbers 14. In Numbers 14, this is the first generation and they, instead of fearing the Lord, they fear the Canaanites. You see, instead of fearing the Lord, they fear the Canaanites. In chapter 14, Numbers, Torah, writings of Moses, Look at what the people say in verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt, you see? Oh, let's, let's never mind the fact that, you know, I'm afraid of the Canaanites because, you know, I'm a warrior. I'm circumcised. Look, I got the armor and, oh, look, I got, I got the sword and look, I'm a big tough guy. I got the big arms and the big muscles. I got the, the big, you know, chest and all these things. And look, I'm a mighty warrior, but I'm really afraid of the Canaanites. But let's not discuss that. I want to protect my wife and kids. I want to protect the children. Look, let's do it for the women. Let's do it for the kids. We want to keep them nice and safe. Remember, the only safety that anybody has is when you and me, we are align ourselves to the word of God. That's the only safety. And don't forget, the word became flesh. Abiding in Jesus Christ. That's the only safety there is. I can't tell you how many times parents do very, very stupid things on account of safety for the kids, what they presume to be safety for the kids. You see? Oh, I want my kids to be safe. I want my kids to be safe. And he's going to go hang out with this girl. And let's forget about the fact that they do their sex. Let's forget about the fact that they do their drugs and they do their alcohol. And let's forget about the fact that they do their Ouija board. Look, they're nice and safe. You see? The only safety that anybody has is in Jesus Christ. In the camp of Israel, even the warriors circumcised. The law was given of circumcision. Yes, unto Abraham, but also Leviticus 12, the law of circumcision. And in their mind, in their heart, they say, look, you know, you want us to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? You see? See how the perspective changes? You want us to be victims? How dare you? 
Don't you want our wives and our children to be safe? Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt where we have safety? Where we can be safe again? Look, I got the big arms, I got the shield, I got the sword. Look, I'm a mighty warrior, I'm circumcised, the law was given, and look, I'm such a mighty warrior. But I want to go back to Egypt where we can be safe. My wife, my kids, we can all be safe, I'll be safe. Okay. Have you forgotten about the chains? Have you forgotten about the bondage, the slavery? You see? And that's what happens. When the Lord is forgotten. Because fear should be directed unto the Lord. Have reverence for him. You have these warriors. I'm doing my air quotes. Warriors. This is first generation warrior. And they were afraid. Not of the Lord. They were afraid of the Canaanites. You see? And what they perceive to be safety is to go back to Egypt where there's the chains and the whips and the bondage and the slavery. You know who speaks up? Caleb and Joshua. The only two of the first generation that passes into the promised land. Everybody else dies. Except for Caleb and Joshua. Notice, we see in verse 9, still in Numbers 14, the writings of Moses, Torah. In verse 9, this is, you know, when, when Moses or Joshua and Caleb, they're the ones who speak up. I mean, in, in verse 6, you know, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Notice, they, they had entry into the promised land, like a little advanced party. I mean, I say advanced party, but, you know, they went in on a on a recon mission on their own recon mission and then they came back they everybody when they reported the, the other guys they reported and they were scaredy cats and that fear that they had it spread that fear that they had was endemic it spread in the camp of Israel and in verse 7 they spoke to all the congregation of Israel look at what they say in verse 9 only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see, Caleb and Joshua were directing the fear. You know, let us fear the Lord. Don't fear Don't fear them. And notice the people. Remember, they wanted to go back to Egypt where there was safety. I'm doing my air quotes. There was safety. But there was really no safety. Look what happens here in verse 10. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Whoa. How dare you speak? We want safety. Our women, our children, our wives. We want them to be safe. And all you speak about is doom and gloom. All you speak about, you want us to go into Canaan to die? No, we're going to stone you. You see how, notice perspective. When the formula is wrong, don't expect good fruit. We'll say that again. When the formula is wrong, don't expect 
good fruit. When the formula is wrong, expect the rotten. Look what you... Israel, the congregation of Israel, they wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua. Remember, we have the luxury, we're looking back from it. We've already studied Joshua 1 now. We have the luxury of understanding Joshua 1 where the Lord says, I am with you, Joshua. The Lord says, I am with you, Joshua. We hit the rewind button and go back to Numbers 14. And remember, even in our study in Joshua 1, we look back at these historical moments to understand it's not just the Lord saying, hey, Joshua, I'm with you. There's depth to that. Joshua, years prior, made his choice to stand in the Lord, to abide himself in the Lord. He made his choice. And the congregation, they want to stone him. Just like we see with Jeremiah. Oh, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's doom and gloom. He's crazy. He lost his mind. Once judgment comes, the people realize, the younger generation, they realize because everybody else has been killed. They realize, oh my goodness, we were wrong. We should have listened to Jeremiah. We should have repented. Jeremiah spoke of uncircumcision. Look, you know, all the males were circumcised. We're circumcised. We're circumcised. We're we're doing the works of the law. We're circumcised. We're circumcised. Surely the Lord is with us. And the Lord says, no, you're not circumcised. Thus saith the Lord. The Lord says through Jeremiah, you are not circumcised because there's insufficiency to that first circumcision. You are not circumcised in the heart. Israel. Now, Only men are circumcised in the flesh. It is impossible for females to be circumcised in the flesh. But of the spirit, when the Lord says you are uncircumcised in heart, that's a different matter altogether because now we're talking about the heart. And you know what? Men have hearts and women have hearts. Circumcision of heart in heart unto both male and female. You see? Because it's a matter of the heart. Not the flesh. In the flesh is death. Where is life? In the spirit. Here we are in verse 10. The congregation, they wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua with stones. They wanted to kill them. Oh, you're doom and gloom. We're going to kill you. And then notice what happened. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. See, the, the Lord, I mean, it, the, 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 they were going to kill him. They were, they were going to kill Caleb and Joshua. And then the Lord, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle. Look at verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? Translate says despise and, and, and uh, uh, like abhor. How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? Whoa. But they're obedient. I'm doing my air quotes. They're obedient. Look, they're circumcised. They're obedient. There's insufficiency. The circumcision of flesh. 
The Lord says to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? You see, the Lord became forgotten. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. You see, circumcision of flesh, only male. It is impossible for females to be circumcised of the flesh. It is impossible. But of the heart, it's a different ballgame. Male and female. Remember the census in numbers? First census, all male, dead. Second census, Male and female, life, entry into promised land. And we see here in verse 16, Deuteronomy 10, Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart. It's deeper. The flesh doesn't go deep because it's the flesh. But the spirit goes to the heart. But even still, the Lord is a gentleman. It's you and me who must yield to the Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord leads to the Word of the Lord. And I don't say this in advocation of the law, but we study the Old Testament from the lens of the New Covenant. Because remember, we have the full counsel of the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation. If you're listening for the first time, in no way, shape, or form am I advocating the law in saying this. Understand that the law has a function. The law has a purpose. Also listen to our study through the book of Galatians. Very important. The introduction to Galatians and all the chapters of Galatians. Very, very important that you listen. Because remember, when we started our study in Leviticus and certain passages of the law, there were major warning labels that came with the studies because a lot of people get seduced into the law. Servants of Satan, they lead people into the law. If you're Jewish, Rabbi, I love you. But unto Abraham, it was accounted unto him Because of his obedience, it was accounted to him unto righteousness before the law of Moses in accordance to the promises of God. The law was added because of sin until the seed. The seed has come. See? For my Jewish friends, for my rabbi friends, whom I love. 
You say we're hardcore, we study Moses. I know you look at Jeremiah, but we're hardcore, we look at Moses. Okay, let's look at Moses. Because Moses himself speaks of an insufficiency to the circumcision of the flesh. We're just straight up verse 16. Circumcised the foreskin. Not of the flesh. Circumcised the foreskin of your heart. What doctor can do that? Moses is writing about something much deeper. Who do you go to to circumcise your heart? I mean, you, 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 you want to get circumcised according to the flesh. You know, there's doctors that you can go to. But that's the flesh. How can a heart be circumcised? What doctor can perform this? I mean, carnally speaking, if they do like, you know, open heart surgery, open up your heart, circumcise, you're going to die. They cut your heart, you're going to die. Carnally speaking. What doctor can do this and you live? You see? There are two ventricles of the heart for a reason. Just as we see the commandments given unto Moses, the Ten Commandments, three times for my Jewish friends, for my rabbi friends, whom I love. The Ten Commandments given three times. The first time, orally. Rejected by the people. They say, Moses, you talk to God. We don't, don't let God talk to us. You talk to God and you tell us what to do. And Moses, we will do it. The, the, the Ten Commandments rejected. The Ten Commandments given again on two tablets. Two tablets. People say, oh, five and five. They do the even distribution. No, not five and five. Four and six. Four and six. Four unto the Lord. Six unto people. Remember, you know, our, in our prior studies, honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment of promise. The first commandment unto promise. Because, you know, four commandments. You know, sometimes you hear like, you know, priests and pastors. They say, oh, you know, five and five. No, four and six. They say five and five and, you know, automatically it just, I just dismiss it. Somebody, I hear a pastor, I hear a priest, I hear whatever, whoever. Say, oh, five and five. No, 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 no. I just, that's a little check mark. Okay, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's four and six. So the Ten Commandments given orally, rejected. Second time, the Ten Commandments given on two tablets. Rejected at the golden calf. The second set of two tablets, the third of the Ten Commandments. First, orally rejected. Second, on the tablets, rejected. Now we have the third, which is the second set of the two tablets. This is the one that was accepted and preserved in the ark, but not without blood. Not without blood. You see, Ten Commandments orally, no blood. Rejected. Ten Commandments, two tablets, first time, destroyed at the golden calf, no blood. No sacrifice. Ten Commandments given the third time, preserved in the ark, 
blood, sacrifice, two tablets. But let's go deeper. Every single heart, both male and female, has two ventricles in their heart. That's why Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, writes about not, not tablets of stone, but he writes about the tablets of the heart. You see? Circumcision of heart. For my Jewish friends, my rabbi friends, whom I love, there is insufficiency of the first circumcision. Circumcision of heart? That's a new ball game. That's a new ball game. Now we see in Deuteronomy, turn with me really quick to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Little refresher course because we've studied these things already. We've studied all these passages already. Little refresher course. I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, Deuteronomy chapter 30. In verse, <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 5. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed. This is what we see happen. I mean, when, when we were studying in real time Deuteronomy 30, we hadn't studied Joshua yet. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, when we were real time in chapter 30, Deuteronomy 30, we haven't been in Joshua yet. But now that we're in Joshua, now we see, you know... We, we kind of study it in real time. And if you've been walking with us for a while, you know, I kind of like, you know, we are here in like Deuteronomy 30. We are here in Joshua 5. We are here in Joshua 1. You know, it, we kind of teach from the perspective of like, you know, we're here. This is, I mean, like, you know, Joshua 5, you know, you say 40 years ago. You know, I mean, it's not 40 years. Ago. It, like right now it's 2022. And 40 years ago, it's like, you know, 1980. I'm terrible at math. 1980 or, you know, 82, you know, it, it, I say 40 years ago, as in like, you know, Israel and Egypt, you see, so we like, we study in real time, like, boom, we're there. And so like when we were in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 30, these things hadn't happened. We hadn't seen the fulfillment in Joshua yet, but now we're in Joshua 5. Now we're in Joshua 5. Moses has died and we see fulfillment of these very promises when Israel is at They've crossed over on dry ground. And now we see in verse 5, then the Lord, your, this is Deuteronomy 30, verse 5. <clears throat> then the Lord, will, then the Lord your God will bring you into, bring you to the land which your fathers possessed. And this is under the leadership of Joshua, what we see in Joshua 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And you shall possess it. We haven't, we haven't officially got there yet because there's going to be war campaigns, military campaigns where Israel, they fight. And then we see here in verse 5, He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And you see, prior to this moment, faith was required. I mean, prior to Joshua 5, 
Faith was required. Prior to Joshua 4 and 5, faith was required. Because, you know, from Joshua 4 and 5, 20 years prior, I mean, if we were in the camp of Israel 20 years prior, by faith, we would have to know and accept and believe that, yes, one day, our people, we will be in the promised land. A hundred years prior, 200 years prior, we would have to, by faith, one day, yes, our people would be in the promised land in accordance with the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Faith, a requirement. But even faith has its end because in Joshua 5, you have a people who have already passed the Jordan River on dry ground. Faith isn't required because it's done. You see? In Christ, there is an end to faith. I mean, abiding in Christ today, faith is not only required, but faith grows. But there is an end to faith. Why? Because there won't be belief in Jesus anymore because we'll see him face to face. There is an end of faith. You see? Now we see these promises of God effectuated in the second generation, having the luxury of Joshua 5. And in verse 5, he says, He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. But then God says exactly what he will do. He says in verse 6, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. You see? The Lord your God will circumcise your heart. This is Moses writing, speaking and writing about insufficiency of the first circumcision, which the law was given, Leviticus 12, circumcision. But he's speaking about the insufficiency of the circumcision of the flesh. He writes and speaks about the circumcision of heart. And only the Lord can do that. I mean, a doctor can cut open a chest, open the chest cavity and circumcise the heart, but then you'll die. But only the Lord can circumcise the heart and you live. But you must give him your heart. You see? The Torah testifies of these very things. Moses testifies of these very truths. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God. You see, first circumcision, what is learned? The fear of the Lord. Circumcision of heart is learned to love the Lord. With all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. That's hardcore. Only the Lord can touch the heart. But every single person has a choice to make. Do I keep my heart or do I give my heart to the Lord? Every single person has a choice to make. Insufficiency of the first circumcision. Let's go back to Joshua 5 now. 
So you see, when we look at verse 5, you know, like in, in, in Joshua 5, verse 5, and we see for all the people who came out of Egypt had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way had, as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Yes, there's the carnal aspect of, you know, the circumcision of the flesh. But understand, there is much depth to that. Much depth to that. A better circumcision. You see? In verse 6, For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Now, remember, this is first generation. We see here in verse 6, Who came out of Egypt were consumed. This is the first census. Now, they were circumcised of the flesh. And then we see that they were consumed because, notice, remember, the Lord is reactionary. Because they, speaking of that first generation, and they were circumcised, except they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Insufficiency of the first circumcision. They did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the, that, that he, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers. It's heavy. Absolutely. Yes, it's heavy. The formula is very specific. Very specific. Old Testament, New Testament. The formula. Specific. That he would give, uh, you know, that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us. Now, this is the second generation, but remember, except for two. Except for two. Caleb and Joshua. The only ones of the first generation. They were on the recon mission, the original recon mission. They went into the area on their recon mission. They came back and everybody was afraid. The fear spread from the recon team to the people. But among the recon team, they were the only two that were not afraid. Caleb and Joshua. Now we see Caleb and Joshua. Entry into the prom- first generation entry into the promised land. We see Joshua as a type of Christ. As a type of Christ, leader into the promised land. You know, I love it so much when we see like, you know, types of Christ, like in Joseph and Moses and, you know, even Aaron. And we see Joshua as a type of Christ. But then we see their flaws too. We see a type of Christ, but not the Christ. I love it. Because we see attributes of Christ. We see pictures of Christ in them. You see? We see Joshua as a type of Christ, and we see Caleb, Caleb in the Hebrew, translates as a force on attack. In the Greek, arguably, you could say dunamis, a force. We see Joshua as a type of Christ, Caleb, Caleb, a force on attack. A type of Holy Spirit. 
Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The only two of the first generation entry into the promised land. Everybody else, dead. First generation, dead. You see? Look what we see here. It's still in verse 6. That he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. A land flowing with milk and honey. You see, all of a sudden, it's like, well, this... Remember, we study these passages as New Covenant believers. I mean, I teach as New Covenant believers, but you might not you, you might not be a believer. You might be Jewish and in the law. And yes, the law is holy. But there is a greater glory. The fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. You see, and so we look at verse 7. And in verse 7, then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, whom he, speaking of the Lord, whom he raised up in their place. This is the second generation. The first generation died, for they were uncircumcised. They were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Some translations say they were not circumcised by the way. Remember? Insufficiency of the first circumcision. But also remember verse 2. When the Lord says, circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. You see, insufficiency of the first. Because the first is of the flesh. Now, this is... Don't forget when when the Lord is doing exactly what he promised because in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 that the Lord will circumcise your heart. You see? This second circumcision that Joshua is performing and doing is a requirement for the promised land. A requirement for the promised land. Exactly the same way as your circumcision and my circumcision. Not a flesh of heart. Both male and female. Is a requirement for paradise. The exact same way. And so we see here in verse 8. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, this rolling away the reproach of Egypt. Remember, they they were in bondage in Egypt 40 years ago. They were in bondage in Egypt. But now, 40 years later, first generation has died. Second generation, passage into the promised land, with the exception of Caleb and Joshua, the only two from the first generation, a type of Christ and a type of spirit. Caleb. We see in verse 9, therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal, which in the Hebrew, it's from Galgal, which translates as, yes, rolling. 
or a rolling thing or circular, a wheel, and to remove. Also references to circle of stones. Remember our study from last week in chapter 4, verse 20? Circle of stones, which reference to rolling. Remember the 12 stones from the Jordan on dry ground? We studied this last week. Don't forget the 12 stones that were placed in the Jordan. The 12 stones from the Jordan, dry. The 12 stones in the Jordan, wet, flowing water. Don't forget. We see Gilgal. Circular, a wheel, rolling thing, as removing very interesting what we see. Remember, as new covenant believers. In verse 10. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal. And kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight. Which, so it's getting darker. At twilight. On the plains of Jericho. And they see, notice, the, the time for Jericho is like... It, that judgment is right there. It's judgment is like on the door. Judgment is like right there. And they ate the produce of the land. Translate says they ate the stored grain of the land on the day after the Passover. Unleavened bread and parched grain. Parched, parched, parched grain. On the very same day. Then the manna ceased. Whoa. Very interesting what we see happening and panning out in this beautiful chapter. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you for us or for our adversaries? And this man who stood opposite him with the sword drawn in his hands, he spoke. In verse 14, and he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Very powerful what's happening in this beautiful chapter. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. We're going to continue our study in chapter 6 next week, Lord willing. But let's look at what we see panning out in this beautiful, beautiful chapter in Joshua chapter 5. Notice what we see. Now, remember, 
we study as new covenant believers. We see the River Jordan. We see uncircumcision, the insufficiency of the first circumcision. And, you know, where the Lord in verse 2 gives the command, you know, circumcise again the second time. We see reference to the tree. We see reference to parched grain. Remember the Lord? On the cross? On the tree? And he says, I am parched. In chapter 5, we see the Passover. Lamb without blemish. Male lamb without blemish. In this very chapter, we see circumcision, which is done again a second time. Notice the insufficiency of the first. We look at prophecies. I mean, you know, in Joshua 5, we look at prophecies from Jeremiah. You know, today we have the luxury of going back. And these are things that Jeremiah spoke of. But in Joshua 5, Jeremiah is not born yet. So we see Jeremiah referencing circumcision of heart. We look back to what Moses wrote in Torah and Numbers and Deuteronomy about circumcision of heart. Both male and female. Second census, remember, Numbers, second census, female inclusion. We see healing. Notice this is post the second circumcision. And we see healing. Does this sound familiar? Now, if you're a Christian, it's like, oh my goodness, this this sounds awfully a, a lot like what we read about in the Gospels. But if you're not a Christian, if you're Jewish, if you're a rabbi, The very scrolls testify of Jesus. We see healing post-second circumcision. We see reference to, I meant Gilgal, Galgal. We see reference to stone rolling as a wheel. You see? As new covenant believers. There was another stone that rolled away and it revealed an empty tomb. We see manna ceased. All future references to manna point to the past. All future references in the Bible point to manna as the past. Except for one. Except for one. One in John chapter 6, verse 57, and straight red letters, John chapter 6, verse 57, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Notice, in Joshua 5, we see the manna ceased. In verse 12, we see the manna ceased. Also in verse 12, Israel no longer had manna. 
The next reference to manna, there's references to manna, but it's always in the past to these passages in the old, in, in Torah and here in Joshua. Except for when the, when a certain man speaks. Red letters in the Bible. And he says, he who eats this bread will live forever. You see? Also, red letters are found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Do you see what's happening in Joshua 5? Entry into the promised land. Entry into the land flowing with milk and honey. Entry led by Joshua and Caleb. What about you and me? Entry into the promised land. Entry into paradise. Led by Jesus. Empowered by his spirit as a force. Empowered by the spirit. And yet people today have the audacity to say, oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. How the spirit works. And, you know, the, in, we read in the book of Acts, that was for 2,000 years ago. Those are fools. No expiration date on the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. No expiration date. Where you see the expiration date is in individuals such as that who say that that was for 2,000 years ago. You see expiration dates on the Holy Spirit in those vessels. In Joshua chapter 5, we also see commander of the army of the Lord. And we also see Joshua worship him. Now, all the angels in the Bible, all the angels of the Most High, all the angels, when they receive worship, they say, see that you don't do that. And all the angels of the Lord say, I'm a servant like you. Don't worship. We worship the same Lord. Fallen angels, they like to receive worship because they take worship away from God. But the righteous never worship demons. The righteous never worship demons or fallen angels. And angels of the Lord say, don't worship. Don't worship us. Don't worship me. I'm a servant like you are. And here we see Joshua's worship is permissible. Why is that? Because he was worshiping the only one that worship is not only permissible, but beautiful, glorious, and holy. I have a special message for my Jewish friends, my rabbi friends, and non-Jewish too. One greater than Moses is here. Yehoshua ben Yosef ben David HaMashiach. Receive him as Lord. Jesus, Son of God, and be ye circumcised. Circumcision of heart. No doctor can do it. No man can do it. Only the man Christ Jesus. You see? 
and you listen to the message how to commit your life to Christ. And you do exactly that. You commit your life to Jesus Christ. And behold the circumcision of heart. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.